This is a production from the Yak Podcasting Network. The home for your growing sonic map of local voices united in their commitment to the best in podcasting. All right, welcome everyone to the very first episode of From the Felt. Uh, my name is Ryan Crow, and I'm here with Bill Hewer and Mr. Samuel Von Kennel. Uh, we are actually recording live or at the Texas Card House in Austin, Texas. Uh, how you guys doing today? I'm doing great, Ryan. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having us out. I'm really good. Happy to be here. Yeah, and just full disclosure, uh, this is the first time I think I've ever had my voice recorded where other people are going to hear it. So um, I don't know about you guys, but this is going to be um, uh, qu- very interesting. <laughs> I think it's all of our first time. We're not uh, professional uh, radio announcers by any stretch, but uh, we're going to do this and we're going to have fun doing it. I promise you that. Pretty sure you can find in my family recordings that I was a junior and senior high school musical lead. So uh, this is not the first time I've had a microphone. Oh, we're going to oh, dig we, those up. we got a pro here. All right. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. My, Good my stuff. mom has proof inside a box of family videos somewhere. That, that, that we'll, we'll be playing that on the next podcast for sure if we can dig that up. <laughs> Well, good stuff. So, so, so um, this is a, a poker podcast, and, and I think one thing we all kind of have in common is, is we all love the, the sport of poker, right? And so uh, one of the things that we, we, you know, we hope to do in this is just kind of let you know a little bit about who we are. Um, we all enjoy poker. Both uh, We are based out of Texas, so you know, we do plan to, to talk quite a bit about poker in Texas itself, but we'll also branch out into other areas of, of, of poker as well. So um, really looking forward to, to um, you know exciting time with you guys and, and really kind of um, seeing where this thing goes. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, it's a long overdue that we need uh, a voice to go with poker in Texas. We've been far too long quiet about this subject, and uh, it's something that we need to talk about, discuss, and just get out on the open on the airwaves and and uh, you know just just have a, a civilized conversation about the sub the subject. Oh, I'm sure that'll come up quite a bit. Uh, he, you know, Texas Hold'em. Should you be able to play it in Texas? I mean, what, what do you think, Sam? Shoot, it all started in Robstown, Texas. That's where the game was first played and created, so no reason not to be playing Texas Hold'em here in the state of Texas. I agree with that. Yeah, and it's interesting because you know Texas is kind of going through, I don't know, I mean, sort of a renaissance when it comes to poker right now. I mean, if for so long it's been played in these underground games, everyone has to go up to, to Oklahoma or Louisiana or fly out to Vegas to play and I mean I mean I mean to play in, in large scale like tournaments, but You've always had this kind of underground, I'd say, environment within Texas, but now you're seeing these legal rooms pop up, and you know a lot of that started by you two guys. You, you know, Sam, you know, being kind of one of the first ones to introduce this model uh, to the state of Texas, and Bill also, uh, you, you know, you helped start Post Oak, which was one of the very first clubs as well. I mean, we'd love to kind of just go through that and, and hear about the beginnings of this kind of legal industry within the state. Uh, well, Sam, since you were the first in Texas, I'll let you go first on that subject. Yeah, we were lucky enough to have the entire state to ourselves for probably the first year, year and a half before you guys opened up in Houston. And um, yeah, business is great. I don't think anybody would have thought five years ago when we started this that uh, we'd be where we're at now. But one day at a time, my goodness, it's grown from my little five-table room in Manchac, Texas, to now... She's probably what fifty clubs across the state. Yours and mine, and some of the biggest ones, (laughs) and growing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so it's interesting. I'd like to kind of go back to the beginning. Like, 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 how did this all start? I mean, I think I think most people who play in rooms in Texas know that 
you know, the Texas Cardhouse was the first of this uh, using this legal model. Um, how did that come about? Like, 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 did y'all just just wake up one morning and say, "Boom, I'm gonna I'm gonna open a poker room. Here's how we're gonna do it." There had been uh, a handful of attempts that were similar. You know, people had tried it. You know, I, I wouldn't say that I came up with the idea myself. The idea was out there, but it, it was just a matter of perfecting it and crafting it to a fully legal business model. I, I was fortunate to be a member of several smaller attempts that tried it but you know had a few missteps here and there and, and me and a former business partner at the time dan kiebert would take little bits and pieces from what we learned from the underground scene from the restaurant leagues from the attempts at you know legal poker back in the day we kind of took what we liked and learned and ran it through some of the channels my background is lobbying for a mainly oil and gas but you know i know a handful of major major players in the gaming industry and so we ran ran our idea through some of the channels there and you know we crafted crafted it for a long time it took quite a while to come up with what we've got but um yeah i mean it was it was a a work in progress of taking the game from a traditional raked model to a membership and access fee model and and so when when you when you did that so you're working as a lobbyist and 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 one day you know, you and Dan are sitting there talking, and you just go, "Hey, I'm going to open up a, a card room." Like, 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 how did it? How did you make the leap from just lobbying for for you know, for for were you lobbying for or against gaming in Texas? <laughs> At the time, for we, I picked up a project that was full on casino, you know, expansion, and uh, you know, essentially lobbying was how I was paying the bills and making myself do, but. Uh, at the end of the day, I wanted to play poker, and that was my passion. And so when I when I saw an opportunity to use my background and skill sets and some of my dad's connections in the lobbying and political world to enhance or you know grow the industry of poker for all the players I already know are out there and playing with. Uh, that's that's when it seemed like a no-brainer. It seemed like a golden opportunity to jump off and try something new. So you went and uh, you know took your savings and opened up a room. Essentially that, yeah. I put took everything I owned. A high school friend of mine, you know, threw in a couple bucks where we needed, and uh, we jumped off a bridge and start made it made it work. That's very cool, yeah. And and so and after that, I mean, soon at well, I say soon afterwards for about two years, I think y'all were operating as the only club in Texas, and then I believe it was Mint or Post. Which one came first after that? Mint came first. Okay, so so yeah. Mint opens down in South Houston. And then Bill, um, give us a little bit of your background. Like, like, so you were involved with Post Oak when it started up, and actually, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was also with Dan Kiebert, uh, who he was working with uh, yeah, here in Austin. Original, so. one of my original. Yeah, employees. Dan. Dan had moved from Austin to Houston, and uh, we crossed paths, and he told me this idea, which I had heard, and I had been watching the Austin Texas Card House from afar, just waiting to see how long it could last, if it, if it was too good to be true or not. And after doing a lot of research on the subject, uh, I felt confident that when Dan came to me and, and had this idea that I, I'd say, you know what, let's do it. Let's team up and let's let's make this happen in Houston. So Post Oak wasn't the first technically in the Houston area, but it was the first in Houston. Um, Mint Poker, owned by a good friend of mine, Michael Eichmann, opened about three months prior to Post Oak opening. Post Oak was kind of the, the jewel of the area because it was right on Post Oak Boulevard in the heart of the Galleria. Uh, that's the center of Houston for those of you who don't know the area, but uh, it was the perfect place to put a room of its size and caliber. And it did very, very well. It was, it was a great experience, a great learning experience. 
Yeah, and I think as we as we all know, and probably a lot of the listeners in Texas know, I mean, I mean, right about that time, I mean, it just exploded across the state. I mean, it went from, I mean, how many, how many clubs do you estimate? So, so Post Oak and Mint opened was that is that about two years ago, two and a half years ago? Now? Yeah, it was twenty seventeen. So, so give me a timeline of like of like how many clubs opened? I mean, because there was one from two thousand fifteen to two thousand seventeen, the Texas Cardhouse, and then you have Mint and Post Oak, and then what happened after that? In the Houston area, I can say that. There was just about a room opening every month for about a year, and then rooms continued to open, but there were other rooms that started to close at a rate of one a month. So <laughs> smaller rooms that weren't so successful, didn't have the great location, didn't have the right business model, would pop up, be around for three months, and then fold. So that's still happening in Houston. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. still new rooms opening left and right. I think there's uh, one up north that recently opened too. What's in spring? What was that yeah, called? Yeah, Texas Card House North Houston. Actually, <laughs> in spring, that? Texas, yeah. just just south of the Woodlands. Yep, uh, good stuff. a short ten minute drive from the Woodlands opened up uh, four weeks ago. Yep, and it's doing great. But you know that area has four known poker clubs in the area, and uh, it's just amazing how popular the game is. You know, yeah. it's 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 really a, a great thing for our state. And how many clubs, you, Sam, how many clubs do you estimate there are in the state of Texas right now today? I think it's safe to say that we've hit 50 at least. And, and, and you know, like Bill said, over the, you know, the last several months, we've seen probably more close than open because, you know, it turns out that it takes a little bit more work than just putting some poker tables in a room and expecting poker players to come play. And so, you know, that number is probably dropping down. But if you really count all the, you know, including the smaller mom and pop operations that we know around the state, you probably get close to fifty. But settling down to maybe probably ten to twelve major clubs, like like the one Texas Cardhouse and Post Oaks that we've all heard and read about. Yeah, I mean, I can. I mean, how many have closed down? I mean, there's probably been fifty that have closed too over the last two years. I would imagine are dang near close. Yeah, between Austin, Houston, San Antonio, there's been a, a handful of attempts that I personally know about. Few up in Dallas, Dallas. Shut, shut down. In yeah, Dallas. Yeah, I think yeah, every couple, one of yeah, them. I think there. we heard about one in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, good stuff. Good stuff. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been a long. It, it seems like forever ago. I mean, and I think you know, you know, one thing you know, people may not know is that you know, I work for the Texas Card House. I'm, I'm one of the owners and CEO, and I got involved with Sam. Gosh, what was that? That was right around 2017, right? Yeah. And That's so, about right? Yeah, we had it, one year left in our lease down at the original location. Yep. Yep. And so, um, you know, I, for me, it seems like a lifetime ago. I know it's only been a little over two years, but gosh, just so much has happened in such a short span of time. And so you know, I think if you'd have told me three years ago that I, I would I would be a part of a, of a of a poker club, I would have thought you were crazy. But uh, really loving it. It's an exciting time to be. It's really kind of the wild west yeah, of poker. Probably See? safe to say the last two years have been the most impactful years on the sport of poker in the state of Texas, for sure. No doubt about it. I'd, I'd uh, challenge to say the last 60 days. Have been yeah, <laughs> yeah. <the> most <laughs> yeah, Bill. We'll, we'll, we might get into that in a, in a couple of future podcasts. Uh, Houston's been uh, an, an interesting little uh, hotbed for for poker the, uh, since uh, what, what are they calling uh, May, May Day? May Day. <laughs> oh yeah, May Day. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So so we'll yeah, we'll definitely be diving into that a little bit more in some future some future podcasts. But uh, cool. I mean, anything else you guys uh, think is you know, as far as like the industry and kind of the growth of it, kind of how we got to where we are today? I mean. Uh, I know we'll, we'll have a uh, we'll, we'll dive into stuff like social card clubs of Texas in some of our future episodes. But you know, anything else you guys want to discuss or talk about? Just kind of the you know the clubs and how they got to, got to where they are today. 
uh, I think it's really thanks to the players. Thanks to the players and the desire to play this game in this state has molded the industry. The players go where the action is. The players go where the best deals are. And the players really dictate who wins and who loses sure. in this industry. So being a, a customer service oriented business is so important. And that's what's kind of uh, shaping this industry is the players. Yeah, and it's it's very competitive in most of the markets right now. And so I'm curious to hear y'all's take on like the underground, and I say you know the home game underground environment versus the legal room. Like, what have, same? What have you seen as far as that dynamic goes between rooms that have opened versus the underground rooms? I mean, for starters, I always like to clarify you know, when people talk about home games, that does not mean your neighborhood friendly spot where you know the wives are out of town, so the husbands decide to play you know some poker in the garage one night a month. The, you know these are legit operations in in people's homes that run poker two, three, four nights a week as business. They they provide that's home game in air quotes, yeah, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's home the, game yeah. in air quotes. That's that's what you know as you hear us use that term. That's what we're talking about. And and I know in Austin and Houston, particularly, there's there's a, a large network of these games that are. Very professional and very very nice places, but, but but they are taking a rake. Is that correct? But but okay. yes, you know the way the way they're set up, they are making profits on the more traditional casino methods, and you know it, it's unfortunate because of where we were at that some of these games were allowed to take you know percentages or rake far more than what the casinos would take, but the, they knew the players didn't have another option. So that's part of the reason why we kind of came on to, to doing what we do, but. I mean, as far as the home games go, I still play in a number of them and enjoy them. Like they're 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 good good culture of people, and it's just it's more. It's a place to play. The it's harder to find. You know, where where our business it opens up to the masses. I mean, we can advertise, we can find the larger amounts of players, the more recreational players. But but the home game scenes are strong and have been in business. I mean, in Austin, as long as I as long as I've been playing for ten years, and Bill, you know, in Houston, the home game scenes were. Or as big as it got over there. Yeah, I remember my first my first underground room I went to was about 15, 16 years ago in North Houston. And I was, I was in shock and in awe because I had been playing since I was the age of 21. My first hand of poker was played at the Commerce Club in Commerce, California. Mm-hmm. My mom had been a dealer for 35 plus years. So I've been around poker all my life. And seeing it in Texas was almost like a homecoming. I was like, ah, this is something I'm familiar with. <clears throat> but after learning more about it, it you know it's uh, it's not the <sighs> ideal way to play. But this reminds me of an old story about a riverboat gambler who his friends told him, "The game you're going to, you can't win. It's rigged. There's no way you can beat that game. Why do you keep going to it?" His response was, "Because it's the only game in town." Yeah, where else are you going to go? You're <laughs> yeah, going to drive to Oklahoma or Louisiana, and yeah. then you're closer to Louisiana, but that's still an hour, hour yeah. and a half drive, hotel fare. So yeah, it's. It's a no-brainer. You're going to play at a closer game, even if they are taking a little bit higher rake than yeah. that in the ca- traditional casino method. It's what the market will bear, right? So, so do y'all see a lot of players? I mean, is it pretty common for people who are playing in, like, say, here at the Texas Card House? Like, are these guys playing at home games on other nights? Like, like, like they play half and half, or do you kind of have your your legal room guys? You have your home game guys. Like, like, how does that dynamic work? Or do people just play whatever they feel like on a certain day? I don't really think that average player prefers one or another there's there's pros and cons at both i think the players are going to go you know where there's professional service and a safe atmosphere and and obviously the probably biggest factor is the action on the table you know am i going to be able to win some money and so those things are looked at before i think a player chooses well 
this one's a, in a home and this one's in a business and this one's legal and this one is you know, less than legal. And so I don't think they're looking at those factors more as they are where's their good dealers, where's their good action and the best bang for best bang for their buck. And you know, in my opinion, that happens to be at some of these legal clubs, especially at the Texas Card House. I mean, we've got staff and, and that, that are top of the line and, and the prices are super competitive to anywhere that I've been across you know, all the circuit stops and anywhere, everywhere that I've gone. You know, it'd be interesting to actually send a survey out to a, a hundred players and see how they rank dealers, food, rake, security. Absolutely. Where, where, what is, what is the most important to players? Yeah, that would be a very interesting da- data. Well, I, I tell you what, you know, we, we've actually done surveys like that at the Texas Card House. You know, because things have gotten pretty competitive in North Austin, and th- there's two things that we learned pretty quickly. One is players want to go where the action is. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. Look at Prime in Houston. I mean, like they're charging sixteen bucks an hour. Yeah, they had rakebacks and stuff, but I mean, that's where the action was. But the other thing that we've kind of figured out, and, and unless the action is so overwhelming, most players on a daily basis are are not going. To, I mean, they're they're very sensitive to like the commute and, and how far, like proximity. That there's it's very hard to overcome that in some cases. You know, when, when before clubs opened all around Austin, I think we had you know, it was very strong here. But now that things opened down south and in the northeast, I mean, it's just. You know, it's hard to get those players. They can drive ten minutes, or they can drive forty-five minutes through Austin traffic, and it's very tough to overcome. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, very, very interesting. So, so what do y'all think um, as, as far as like what, what do you see going forward? Like, like, where does this, where does this industry go from here? Like, are we, are we, um, you know, is this it? Is this as big as it's going to get? Uh, do we think it's going to? Uh, I mean, with, with the stuff that's happened, you know, the, the the clubs getting shut down in Houston, Prime and Post Oak. Do we think that is that the beginning of a trend of, of clubs getting closed down? Do we think we're going to end up be able to grow it? You know, I mean, I know what I think, but I'm curious to know, you know, what are your guys' thoughts on on where that is and where we're going? Well, based on the the case that's going on for Prime and Post Oak, I think that is going to be the factor that sends this industry one direction or the other. Either they're going to say our model is not legal by the standards by the the state law or they're going to amend the state law to make it clear that it this this model is okay and i believe if obviously if they say it's not good that the model doesn't work by legal by texas state law that the entire industry shuts down and goes back to underground which would be you know unfortunate if it goes the other way then i foresee clubs like texas card house and and, uh, other clubs around sustaining until big boys move in yeah. If the clubs that exist don't become the big boys first, the uh, there's a club up in Northern California called Bay 101. It was owned by a guy, um, and I, his name escapes me right now. Mm-hmm. He's a Greek guy, super nice guy. I met him a couple times before he passed. But I had learned that he had a small home game in across the bay, and his home game basically grew, 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 and, and he felt confident enough to open up his own card room. And Bay 101 was born, and it's. A very large club, and it's one of the larger clubs in Northern California. You see it on TV, on yeah. FS, you know, Fox Sports all the time. Yeah, yeah. they host the uh, Bay One Hundred One Shooting Stars yeah. tournament there. Yeah. So it, it's no, it's not a slouch of a room. It's not a mini room, but he grew as the market grew. He he got to where he needed to be, and I think that's going to be the future for rooms. As uh, you know, if if this case goes the way we wanted to go, and and Texas decides that this is how they want poker to be then that's where it could end up is just like in California. I'd like to see in the future some clarity to the model. I mean, taking it just from me at the Texas Card House, 
we've gone through three or four different transitional swings from originally just charging membership by the month only. Then we did, you know, day, month, and year memberships. Then we switched to seat rental. Then it was hourly club access. And you see all these other clubs now opening up, taking one of our older versions and tweaking it a little to their own. And so you've got a little bit here and a little bit there. They're all just kind of a little different from another. I'd like to see, you know, as as Ryan asked about the future, where do we see this going, like some standardization across the board, letting us compete with each other when it comes down to things like pricing and service and, and quality. But yes, but when it comes down to the actual business model, getting that clear definition, you know, if it takes state legislation, you know, that's my background in business. I think it, I think that it does, but whether it does or doesn't, getting some clarity across the board for the business would be nice in my opinion to see as, as these clubs move forward. Not yeah. only, not only clarity, but regulations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's something I think we'll dive into deeper into in future pro- podcasts. I mean, I think it's important for us to kind of disclose that, that we, we specifically Sam and myself are, are, are kind of spearheading the social card clubs of Texas, the nonprofit that, that essentially has been, has hired a team of lobbyists that, that has been working, um, quite a bit on, on trying to get some clarity um, at the legislative level. And so that's something we'll dive into. I mean, and obviously we're, we're talking in general here, but we have a pretty good idea of where a lot of that stuff's going, uh, probably more than the average poker player than Texan. Definitely something that we're going to jump into in the future. Um, but as far as like, you know, um, you know, you know, the, 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 the Dallas region, I, I feel like one of the things that's interesting today is that it's really, it, it's really, the state's left it up to the local counties to decide whether or not you can do it. Like, we've gone and spoken to DAs in certain counties, and they're like, hey, not here. And we've spoken to other ones, and whereas they can't tell you it's legal, they've said, hey, if you're do what you if you're not doing any extracurricular stuff, you're probably going to be okay. You know, you can open. And so um, it's interesting just how much power is in the DA's hand, for just how differently they interpret it. And I think that that's what's really frustrating for 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 us as a company, as we try to expand, you know, we, we've opened a location in Austin. We're opening one. We've opened one in Houston. We've got several other locations we're about to open. And the biggest challenge has been, you know, making sure that wherever we go, that we're not going to have someone tapping on our door saying, "Hey, you got to shut your doors." You know, yeah. uh, a month after we open. Yeah, that would be unfortunate. But uh, it's it's a place. It's a time where you've got to tread carefully. You've got to do your due diligence and and see what the local uh, county how they feel about it. And yeah, I mean, I know that better than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, though, too, because, I mean, in counties like Dallas and, and Fort Worth, where we've experienced some pushback and some, some negative feedback, it makes no sense because you go to Windstar and you go to Choctaw and you drive through their seven-story parking garages, you see nothing but Texas plates. And even on the WSOP calendar right now, if you look it up, it says Choctaw slash Dallas. Like it's, I mean, it's not even in the state, but it's they're advertising Dallas because you know, they, they know where their market's coming from. They know where their it's bread's buttered. It's almost buttered. like a suburb yeah. of Dallas now. Yeah, they call it the WSOP <laughs> Dallas stop. And it's like, it's in Oklahoma. Wow. It's not even, you know. Crazy so, stuff. Speaking yeah. of, I mean, the WSOP, we all took a little trip out there not too long ago. Uh, what would you guys think this year? I mean, I know, I know, I know, Sam, you've gone for quite a while, but I don't know how often you go. But yeah. what did you all think of the WSOP this year? 50 years old. It's uh Never, never been as big and bad as it was this year. My goodness! <laughs> Besides the main event, what didn't break its record? But as a series in itself, all all the events collectively, my goodness, it was uh, you know nothing but long lines and wait lists and alternates and yeah. I, I didn't have the same experience, but as long lines, uh, Ryan and I stood in one line together. We were probably in that line for ten minutes. 
and it went pretty quick and we got into our tournament and I thought it was for, for the undertaking. I know what kind of work and uh, the amount of power and people that goes into something like that. I mean, it's a huge undertaking and they did a, they did a great job, I think. And they had to contest with uh, multiple earthquakes around 4th of July, uh, which I had heard. Did you guys hear that uh, yeah. one of the chandeliers actually fell? Yeah, in the, one of the uh, main room? day one B or something, they had to move their dinner break to re- to make up for a yeah. you know quote earthquake break. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's they they pulled it off with a lot of things that could have ruined the event, but they they got through it and made it work. Yeah, and, and I mean from, from my perspective, to be honest, I kind of thought it was a little bit of a shit show. I mean, like, like the first day we went to play, I think it was like the eight hundred dollar deep stack. Um, they didn't have enough dealers. I mean, I probably waited, and I was there before it started. You know, fairly early ish um and i mean i probably waited a total of two and a half hours to get in that tournament uh and yeah, I mean, you were in and, line longer than you played <laughs> <laughs> well Ouch. yeah that's probably actually that is true uh yeah. uh yeah and and so i mean obviously there was no no re-entry there but 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 when we went last year you know i know we played in the little one for one drop last year and i just don't remember and i know that's after the main events are probably dies down a little bit but it just seemed to be a little bit smoother last year and this year i mean and we went the next day to play in that fifteen hundred dollar um, you know the bounty, the super bounty, turbo yeah, bounty. Yeah. yeah, the turbo bounty, and, and and gosh, it was just you know, getting into the tournament was a nightmare. And I even pre-regged on that one. It was it was it was, it was tough. So um, I was just that was my in, in, impression of it this year. But all in all, I mean, you know, I don't know if they expected the numbers they had because it was it was packed. So do we think it's going to be busier next year or not as busy next year? I think the draw was the Big Fifty this year, not just the one tournament that they called the Big Fifty, but across the board they were giving longer levels, more starting chips, and you know, more bracelet events for cheaper pricing. I mean, I've gone the last five years in a row, and and this year had I've just never seen the, the amount of people. But I, I really think it had to do more with the kind of the idea that this was the 50th anniversary, and it was a little bit more special than than normal, and so it brought all the players out. So I actually looked up that exact stat before uh, earlier today because someone was someone was asking me about it, and I've noticed actually for the last four or five years, it's been on a pretty steady increase. And, and, and this year actually wasn't. And I'm talking just the main event, right? Right. But it looks like it's definitely on a trend to 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 where next year will be the largest year. I would bet that it will be after everyone sees ten million dollars to first place this year. I mean, I'm already yeah. thinking about it next year. Yeah. It could be you. Yeah. It could be you. <laughs> of course, that's what that's what 8,000 other people are saying as well. Yeah. We'll do it. And I'll be there for the podcast right afterwards, the championship podcast, when we put the bracelet on my wrist. <laughs> or when we broadcast them live from yeah, the... We'll, we'll, po- we'll, yeah, we'll broadcast live from the final fi- final table. Yeah. That's right. There you go. Little lapel mics and just yeah. uh, go all the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, cool. Um, so so what, just out of curiosity, what, do, how many tournaments did you play in this year, Sam? Oh, this is embarrassing. I like to consider myself a player, but I only played in three events. Uh, one of the events I went to play, of the three, I actually sold my ticket back because I was alternate 170, and two hours into it, I, I was I was just spent. You know, after waiting like that, being ready to play, you know, poker player kind of does their morning routine. You get psyched up, I'm ready to go, and then I have to wait two hours to play. I sold my ticket back, so no, it was a... So you, you could have gone and made some money on Ultimate Texas Hold'em with Bill and I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I spent I spent more t- more time in the pits and uh, the pool parties than I did in the actual poker tables this summer. But uh, it was a good summer. Nothing wrong with that. No, no problems yeah. there. You should have been there. Bill Bill hits a royal flush on the uh, on that Ultimate Texas Hold'em. His little 
Annie bet. I mean, I mean, you ended up making like six grand on a was it fifteen dollar ten dollars ten dollar bet. That's why Bill and I know we always play the trips line on that. You know, <laughs> oh my god, trips line. The trips line's oh where it's at, goodness. Ryan. Yeah, yeah. So, so that. I, yeah, that's uh, to me, I think that's a sucker's bet. But you know, how many uh, tournaments did you play in, Ryan, at WSOP this year? Um, uh, Two. <laughs> that's good. It's double. That's double what I played. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. played one. Yeah, and I and I think I lasted about two hours total in those two. I just, I, <laughs> that's right. I got your last longer on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, good stuff. Um, well, cool. So, so um, no, I I, I I I do look forward to going next year. I think that I mean, it sounds like we'll probably end up making this kind of an annual event. I know we've gone the last two years, but uh, very fun stuff. Um, very excited about some of the guys that we've met up there. I know um, it looks like um, so it looks like we've got Brad Owen and Andrew Nimi actually uh, lined up to do a podcast with us when they're here in town in October. Uh, we're hoping to get Chris Moneymaker uh, when he comes in next month. Uh, Greg Ramers. A lot of those guys. It'd be great to get them uh, in here and on the podcast. Love to inter- you know, interview those guys and talk to them. I think it'd be a, it'd be a really good time. I'd yeah. just love to ask them what they think about the Texas poker scene. I know you know Andrew and Brad have come before and they, they've now come to the card house a couple times, but. You know, I know when they come and they think, you know, this is just 5-5, five, five, no limit, hold them. They had no idea what to expect when they get into Texas and they play 5-5, five, five, no limit, hold them. You know, I'll say it, call it Texas style, but my goodness. Everything's bigger uh, in Texas. Yeah, we, that phrase is, is definitely there for a reason. We, we like to play big stacks down here. I've seen Chris Moneymaker online advocating for poker in Texas. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's said a few th- come out and said a few things about it, so I'm really excited to have him here and uh, talk with him to see what he's got to say. Yeah, and he'll actually be, so he'll be, I think, in, in Austin in August and then in Houston in September. Is that correct? So the part of the Moneymaker Poker Series, the tournament yeah. series that he's doing? Okay. Well, no, I mean just for the Texas card house. Okay, he's coming right, up for a couple right. of days on each one. Um, but no, that, that, that'll be exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm very anxious to meet him and, and, and uh, have him here and, and, and certainly get his opinions and then, of course, play a little poker with him as well. Yeah. So we can take, 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 take some of that money off of him. <laughs> Yeah. See if we put a bounty on his head, who can knock him out? <laughs> I know, right? Okay. Well, I think it's about that time. Uh, is there anything else that you guys want to cover before we wrap up this first episode? I don't know. I think we covered a lot of bases in this one. And uh, uh, great job, Ryan, for moderating and keeping us, <laughs> keeping us on track. Uh, I can't wait for the next one. All right. And with that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. And of course, thank you guys for agreeing to join this podcast with me. Um, our expectation is that we will, be, we will be releasing a podcast roughly every week. Uh, you'll be able to find those podcasts on the uh, by downloading the Yak app. That's Y-A-K-K. Or going to the Texas Cardhouse website and clicking on the podcast link. Uh, thank you, everyone. And hope you have a great day.